There's a lot going on in our church today, obviously, a lot of graduating. I told the adults this week in our email, you don't get to graduate to a higher class, you just stay where you are. So that's, that's how it works in the, in the kingdom of God um, <clears throat> until we graduate to the very highest place, right? Uh, we are in our same classes but the Lord has blessed us with children that uh, we hope that we are discipling in the Lord Jesus Christ, sharing with them the gospel. And as they continue to mature physically, they're maturing spiritually. Um, our, our kids, uh, it's a big investment for you, the church, to invest in the lives of the next generation. We're so blessed to have a church that does that. Um, it's very important to us. I, I felt like all summer long I was running from one uh, children's event to the next youth event to the next junior high event. It was crazy, but we got through the summer. We are now done with our Limitless series. We are in the book of Mark again. Praise the Lord for that. It feels like we should be further along, but we are only in the 16th verse of the first chapter. So we have done four uh, four teachings in the book of Mark, and we are only through verse 16. So you can look forward to seeing Mark a lot in the next few days, but as Mark turns quickly, so do we. So this is the beautiful gospel as we see God use weak and fallen individuals for his glory and purposes. Amen. Remember, John Mark is the writer of the book, the Gospel of Mark, and he's a deserter. He deserts Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey. Later, he will be useful to Paul. He will also be very useful to Peter in his ministry in Rome. He will be with Peter in Rome and so Peter is a central figure in this gospel as John relates what he has heard from Peter. But remember, Peter is a denier. Peter denies Christ three times. <coughs> Excuse me. So you have a deserter and a denier whom the king will call. To take the message to the ends of the earth. Amen? So those of you in this room this morning that say, God can't use me. Oh yes he can. And Mark wants to tell us that message. That God can use you for his purposes of sharing the gospel to the nations. These broken, imperfect people. I'm pointing to myself now. We'll be the ones dropping the nets for the kingdom of God. So a quick review. Where are we in Mark? Verse 1, the king is announced, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. And then we have John the Baptist, the forerunner, who will announce the king's coming. The king is then coronated in the Jordan River in the celebration of baptism. Remember, through the waters of God's judgment into the new 
promised land prepared by the Lord. It's a new exodus as John is pointing us to a new exodus. Excuse me, Mark is pointing us to a new exodus. And as soon as we saw this coronation, he goes into battle as Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness and he overcomes the enemy, Satan himself. And after this wilderness experience, the temptations of Christ, he begins to proclaim the good news. The time is fulfilled. Repent and believe in the gospel. Remember, Mark is this wanting, he wants us as the readers to keep the story moving. He sets the scenes, but he doesn't give us too much detail. He gives us the Twitter version of the life, ministry, and reign of Christ. Amen? So that's what we get. And it is at this point that Jesus begins to call his first disciples. And he says those famous words, follow me. We have this beautiful picture this morning of ordinary people giving up their lives because they say the kingdom of God is worth it. Because they say and they sing how great is our God. Behold our God. This is the king that calls. If you'll stand with me, we're going to read from Mark chapter 1. Verse 16 through 20 this morning. We don't get all the details here, but we get enough to really get into what God wants to speak to us this morning. Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 20, as we read from God's word, his authoritative and infallible word. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, That's also a term for Peter. We'll talk about that. Casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me. And I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee. And John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. You can be seated. The king calls. Let's pray. Father, we ask that this morning that your word would speak to us. That we would not be people who, who have our ears closed or our eyes closed. But Father, would you open our hearts to the message of the gospel? Would you open our hearts to what Christ wants to do in and through our lives and the beauty of this great God? Father, we, we pray for those that are here this morning that don't know why they're here, but they're here. And we ask, Lord, that you would speak to them through your word, through the power of your Holy Spirit. May it not be me, but it be you speaking. Father, help us to cast the net of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, 
<coughs> it's technically Big Sunday, which means it's Promotion Sunday, which means it's the beginning of a new school year. Some of you guys had the first day of school this week, teachers, students, parents. Some of you didn't. That's okay. Some of you are starting next week. Some of you may not be starting school. You may be past that phase. But it's a moment. There's newness in the air. New teachers, new classrooms, new friends. What will the year hold, right? Often there is a picture of your student holding some sign of sorts, sometimes homemade, sometimes really nice. It depends on how creative your parent is, how good at Photoshop they are. This year was um, my daughter's sixth grade year, my son's fourth grade. But sixth grade is new, right? It's middle school, new school, no more elementary. It's a big year. So proud dad, of course, is early to take his daughter to school, making sure she has everything in hand. This was last Thursday. Plenty of time to get situated before the bell rings. And we're exiting the highway to get to school. There's traffic on the exit, and so the car stops. You know, these new cars, they turn off to conserve energy, right? So you come to a stop sign or a stoplight, the car turns off, and then it supposed to kick back up when you press the pedal in. Well, this time it didn't start back up. So poof, no more engine. The dash goes dark. It won't start. What do we do, right? About a mile out from the, from the school. Do we wait to get this car situated? Do we try and hitch a ride? What do we do? No. We have a task awaiting us, and that is to get to school on time. It's the first day, and my daughter is going to make it. So I tell my daughter, let's go. We're going to make a break for it. (laughs) We leave the car behind. So up the master climber hill, through the tall grass, across the busy street, through the seemingly endless parking lot, finally for my daughter to say in her new onesie outfit for the first day of school, Dad, I know what I'm going to do. I'm thinking, oh no, here it comes. What is she going to say? And she says, Dad, I'm going straight to the bathroom and I'm washing off my feet. I said, that sounds like a good plan, sweetheart. And we made it with little time to spare. Someone later texted my wife and said, was that Avery walking through the tall grass on the side of the road this morning? (laughs) To which my wife replied, yes, just a ritual we like to do in our family the first day of school. Got to earn it around here. No, there's times in your life where you just got to leave it all behind. Because you know how valuable 
that which is before you. You see, the parable of the pearl of great value says in Matthew 13, 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. You see, the disciples in Mark's story here hear the call of the king. And they're willing to give up their businesses, their huge haul of fish, even their families. Why? Because they find Christ valuable. You see, most people would quickly apply this passage. They read this passage. They, they, they apply this passage and, and, and they begin with themselves. They begin to think about themselves and they say, well, I might need to give up this. I might need to give up my business or my family or my money for the kingdom of God. And while, yes, he may call you to do that, maybe all of those things, maybe some of those things, I would like for us to focus not necessarily on what we have to give up, but the value of God. The value of Christ himself. He is so valuable that we would be willing to sacrifice See, if, if the focus of our life is loving Christ and we passionately want to follow him because we know who he is, then living his mission, sacrificing for the kingdom of God comes naturally. It's not forced. The treasure of Christ was so valuable that these men were willing up to give their livelihood to follow Jesus. And guess what? They did so with joy. Jesus didn't have to coerce them into following him. See, if Christ is your treasure, then there's no bounds to which you will sacrifice to follow him. Relationships, money, possessions, substances, habits, time will not seem near important won't seem nearly as important as the king, Christ himself. So let's look at the text this morning. Verse 16, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of Men, this is our first point this morning. It's thus, kingdom people follow Jesus. Kingdom-minded people. Kingdom people. Kingdom-focused people. Christ-centered people. You can put a whole bunch of titles in there. People who have made Jesus Lord people. What do they do? They follow Christ. 
You see the call here and the famous call in verse 17? Jesus says two words, follow me. You see, the, the, the call is not, well, come to this church. The, the call is not, read your Bible. The call is not, pray. The call is to say, Jesus is Lord. The call is to say, follow Christ. The call is Christ. He's calling the disciples and he's calling us and he's saying, are you going to make me Lord? Master, teacher, And we have to say yes or no, right? The answer is, yes, I will follow Christ or no, I will not. You see, the disciples said yes. And following Jesus for them meant they must leave their business their home, their people. Nearly all the disciples will end up walking the steps of Christ. And what are the steps of Christ? Christ walks on the earth. He gives his life for sinners. And what do the disciples do? They give their life They die as martyrs for the sake of the gospel. If you're to read Mark only, he only likes to give you what is necessary. He doesn't like to give you details. I think he assumes that you have read some of the other accounts. You would say to yourself, I mean, shouldn't there be a little bit more backstory here? Hey, you too, follow me. (laughs) Boom, I'm in. Yes, let's go, right? I mean, like that's all we get. Luke gives us more insight to the story in Luke chapter five. Praise God for Luke. He likes to tell us all the details in Acts and Luke. And as Jesus is passing along the Sea of Galilee, he asked Peter, who's called Simon here in this passage, Jesus will change his name from Simon to Peter, which means rock. If he can use his boat, Peter's like, yeah, you can use my boat. He goes out to teach, and this is where it gets good in Luke chapter 5, verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, who is Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And, And Simon answered, Master... We toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish 
that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Thank you, Luke, for all those details, right? And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Luke tells us more, doesn't he? But even John tells us a little bit more, and I think it's important for us to hear. John chapter 1, verse 40 says this. One of the two who heard John, speaking of John the Baptist, speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So there's where Jesus changes his name. Simon to Peter. But interesting that John tells us that Andrew goes to get Peter and he says, because of the testimony of John the Baptist, this is the Christ. This is the Messiah. And then Jesus gets into a boat and Peter says, no, we... We are expert fishermen. We own this business. We've done this a million times. There's no fish here. We've been doing it all night. And Jesus says, put the nets in. And they carry such a large catch that James and John, the sons of thunder, must come and help get all the fish into the boat. So what is Mark saying here? Mark is saying that once Peter and Andrew know Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, that the Spirit revealed to them, what do they do? They follow him. What do we do once we know Christ is the Messiah, that that Jesus is the King? What do we do? We follow him. What's the important point here? Once Jesus calls you, you follow him. Once you know that Jesus is king, you aren't concerned with the treasures of this world because you have found the most satisfying treasure in Christ. You see, the the call to Jesus is not a beg. It's not a shiny lure trying to trick someone into following Jesus or coming to church or hearing God's word or reading God's word or praying. It's a pure and simple in its function. Jesus is king. He rules and reigns. He has power and authority over all. Therefore, follow him. The gospel message has to be more straightforward, not less. It has to be more simplistic in our time and age, not more shiny. Because if you don't know who God is and who Christ is, you cannot follow him. I believe that deep down in my heart, the Old Testament is the key to understanding who Christ is. 
why he had to come and why you should follow him. And most of our churches don't even preach the Old Testament. You don't know who the creator God is, who is good and perfect and loving, who is sovereign over all, who created to re- you to reflect his goodness and beauty. There's no understanding. There's no backstory. Yet what happened in the in the story, we rejected humanity who was created in the image of God, rejected his plan. We went our own way. We, we, we broke God's perfect law and we must be judged for sin. But God in his mercy called out a people for his own possession that they would have a king and this king would be the suffering servant and his blood would cover the people's sin to make them righteous in the sight of a holy and righteous God and they, that this Messiah, the Christ, would satisfy the penalty of sin and death from God himself the creator God see if you don't know the whole story following Jesus doesn't make sense if you don't know why you would follow Jesus and John finally tells us they they believe that he's the Christ Peter and Andrew are willing to give up everything why because they believe that he is the Christ He is God's king who is bringing salvation. So today, God may be saying to you, I recognize Jesus is the Christ and I want to follow him. You want to make Jesus Lord. Let's look at verse 17 again. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. This is point number two. This morning, kingdom people advance the kingdom. Christ followers advance the gospel. Kingdom people will be fishers of men. Christ-centered people filled with the Holy Spirit will fish for men. They will evangelize with the net of the gospel to a lost and dying world. There is a call to be a follower of Christ. Jesus says, follow me. But in that call, Jesus says what God will do when you follow him. He will make you a fisher of men. Why? Why will he make you a fisher of men? Because the heart of Christ is to save sinners. He died on the cross for sinners. The heart of God is to save sinners. And as a result, God gives you a new heart. And a new heart wants to see sinners saved through the power of the gospel. God gives us a heart, the body of Christ, a heart for people. And not just any people, hard people. Not just any, any hard people, but those that we don't even know. And not just people we don't even know, but those that we don't even speak their language. 
You see these fishermen, Andrew and Peter, James and John, they will no longer catch fish, but they will cast the net of the gospel to reap a harvest in the kingdom of God. Mark says it later like this in Mark chapter three, verse 14. And he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. So the apostles, the 12, four of them he's calling in this text this morning, the apostles, the sent ones, that's what apostles mean, the sent ones, he calls them to do what? To be with Christ, to follow Jesus, so that what? So that he might send them out to preach. And what are they preaching? This gospel in which Christ preaches in the previous section. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. They preach the same message Christ preached. They are apostles. To be with Christ so that he could send them out. Follow me so that I can make you fishers of men. We say our missional goals around here are gospel life and mission. The last is being sent on mission. That's what we do here. We gather as the body to hear the word of God, to worship together, to be in community in life together to be sent. You, you gather to hear the gospel to be sent. You give your lives to one another in life on life discipleship to be sent. You live in Christ-centered community to be sent. You follow Jesus to be sent. You read your word to be sent. You worship the Lord to be sent. That's what we say at each, at the end of each service. You are sent. Right, that's why we gather is not just for our benefit, but to send you to your home, to your vocation, to your school, to your neighborhood. To do what? To make disciples of Jesus, to fish for men. You see, our gathering is for something greater than the gathering itself. It's for the mission of God. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Interesting concept, right? Comes from the Old Testament. Obviously, all these things do. But the concept comes from Jeremiah chapter 16. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, right? Preparing for days of exile, sees the exile, is in exile. That's Jeremiah. Jeremiah 16, 14. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it shall no longer be said, as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country, out of all the countries where he had driven them, For I will bring them back to their own land, 
that I gave to their fathers. Behold, I am sending for many fishers, declares the Lord, and they shall catch them. And afterward, I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt for them from every mountain and every hill and out of the clefts of the rock for my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. But first I will doubly repay their iniquity and their sin because they have polluted my land with the carcasses of their detestable idols and have filled my inheritance with their abominations." So without going into major exegesis here in Jeremiah, God is telling the people there will be a judgment as a result of your idolatry. It will be a scattering of God's people, but he will bring them back like a fisher and hunter. God will find them. And who is he going to use to do that? His church. His church. The disciples of Jesus. God will bring his people back to him. Remember, we're just casting the net. God is gathering them to be caught. Isn't it wonderful to know that no matter how far you try to run from God, God will find you? Remember Peter he fished all night, no fish. Jesus says, just put it right there. Cast the net, it's full. It's breaking the nets. You see, Christ is the fisherman. And Jesus is telling us, just cast the net. I'll gather the fish. You cast the net. Last weekend when we went, uh, or a couple weekends ago when we went fishing, after five hours I caught my first trout. You guys saw the picture last week. I was trying different lures and tactics all across the way to bait the fish into biting. There was the lure that I tried to no avail. It was the spinner bait. Interestingly enough, just the little fly was that which I caught with but the spinner bait is a nice, shiny, fake bait that spins through the water with bright colors, some fluffy things on the end, covering or concealing the hook, right? So many times we try to lure people to Christ with nice, shiny, fake things. Look at how nice our church building is. Look how funny our pastor is, right? <laughs> Look how happy their marriage is. You see, the reality is God draws the fish. We just cast the net. We cast the net of the gospel. It's not our job to try and lure people into this great gospel. God gives you the opportunities to cast the net. All we need to do is ask him in prayer 
and be ready to share the message when he calls. You see, the gospel is enough. The gospel is enough. Jesus says, follow me. They leave it all. Why? Because Jesus is the Christ. Yeah, it may take time to get to that point for someone to recognize Jesus is the Christ. It may take many stories. It may take a lot of understanding of who God is and his plan of salvation. But he is enough. And we don't need to lure them by fake lures. If we lure them by fake lures, then they want to stay with fake lures. The gospel is enough. The simple gospel message. Let's look at verse 18. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother. These are the sons of thunder who were in the boat mending the nets and immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Kingdom people sacrifice to follow the king. Christ-centered people will sacrifice to follow Jesus. Why? Because he gave his life for us. You see, the immediate and sudden obedience is shocking, isn't it? It's shocking to us. They leave their big business. Some of us will go to Israel next spring and we'll see the Sea of Galilee. We'll eat the fish that Peter, James and John and Andrew caught. And it was big business. And it was their family business. Their father was in the boat. But they leave him because Jesus is the king. We have this morning uh, a couple missionaries that that came with us this morning. They're here, uh, Daniel and Carla Eady. And and we actually had a team, the Baileys went um, to the Himalayas across the globe They have small children and they left. Carla was actually raised in this church. But they they left their home. They left their family to do what? To go to the Himalayan mountains to share the gospel with the people who have never heard it. They, They spend the last years of their life learning a language they don't know. Living among people that they don't understand their culture. To cast the net of the gospel to those people. Why? Because God is searching them out. Like a fisher or a hunter gatherer. God is using his church to search for people in your workplace. God is using you to search for his people in your school, in your neighborhood, in your community. 
Later, Jesus says to his disciples in Mark chapter 10, 29, Jesus will say this. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the first last. Interesting read, right? You, you think to yourself, well, is, what, what? so if you leave, if you leave your house and your brothers and your sister and your mother and your family, you're going to get a hundredfold house, brother, land, sister, mother's family? Well, I think what Jesus is saying here is they will receive in this life the fellowship of the believers in homes. Carla and Daniel can tell you that they went into people's homes. It wasn't their home. They were greeted like they were family in their home. And they had new brothers and sisters who came to Christ. Their mothers and children as they discipled younger people. And they had older mothers maturing them in the faith. And it says, with persecutions. So it won't be easy, right? The church... The fellowship of the church is a beautiful thing, but it comes with persecutions. But in the age to come, eternal life. Hudson Taylor, who founded the China Inland Mission in 1865, used these words to describe his own experience after facing Multiple issues, suffering, pain, even the death of his own family members, his wife, some of his children. As he went to China, he said this, I never made a sacrifice. What are you talking about, Hudson? How could you say that? I never made a sacrifice. His daughter-in-law, Geraldine, would later say, but now I know that such words are wholly true. Talk of sacrifice, this is no sacrifice. There is no such word to the Christian. Count it all joy. All joy. After a riot, when our lives had been saved by a miracle, when we were sitting bruised and bleeding amidst the ruins of our home, in that hour, believe me, heaven itself was open to us. And we tasted then and afterwards a joy so marvelous that I scarcely like to speak about it here. As we realized that we had been permitted to suffer something for Christ's sake. No words can tell you the joy which filled our hearts. We have never known anything like it since. 
And we would not miss that experience out of our lives for all that you could give us. Mrs. Howard Taylor. You see, the gospel, the love of Christ drives us to experience things that are, that are hard. To give up things and to sacrifice for things that are hard. But in reality, we love our God. We love Christ so much that it doesn't even feel like a sacrifice to begin with. We started the service 10 years of pastoring. I'll tell you what, there's been some hard times in 10 years of pastoring. But when you think about, when you think about it, I've enjoyed every minute of it. The suffering, sometimes the pain, the hardships, the failures, the experiences, the loved ones betraying you comes all the way back to, man, Christ was with me through it all. So this morning, as we, the church, respond to God's call in our life to follow him, let us not dwell on our experiences of failure, our experience of hurt or heartache, but let us dwell on the richness and the glory of God. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the truth of the gospel that's, that we so cling to desperately. That you are the Christ, the Messiah, the one who is in control of all things, who has authority over sin and death, who has authority over even the fish in the sea. And Father God, we pray that many men and many women in this room, young boys and young girls, would be raised to life that you would breathe life into them through the power of your spirit to be sent. They would view their neighborhood as a place for fishing. They would view their their workplace as a place where you are calling people to yourself. And they wouldn't be ashamed of the simple gospel they would share it. Father, we pray that you would seek out believers, that you would find them in the crefts and the crevices hiding, in the places all over the world that want to hear your name. And you would use people in this room to cast the net for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can respond to the word of God this morning. There's pastors up front. If you'll stand.